0: The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Healer to the Heroes, Apprenticeship. In the wake of new legal action limiting superhero activity, a rebellious new doc gets fed up with the red tape that hurts his patient care and joins forces with a grouchy older physician to provide underground health care to illegal heroes. Episode 3 I sighed as I stirred the ugly pink-blue berries in my yogurt cup, fidgeting under the hospital air-conditioning blast that chilled my neck, scattering unpleasant goosebumps down my back. I didn't bother to find a warmer lunchroom spot. Everywhere else, I'd have to sit with another person. Better the cold, I thought. Despite the recent thrills of helping Dr. Blank with her superhero patients, I still truly hated working in this hospital. If I had my way, I thought I'd fire every person not actively involved in patient care and use that extra money to hire more physicians for the shortage. Keep one scribe and biller per department, of course, to manage all the administrative work. But decrease patient wait times and cost and... What are you plotting over here? Dr. Jasmine Lane slid her tray across from mine. I sighed. I wanted to groan. Not that I didn't like the gastroenterologist. On the contrary, I found her both insanely attractive and brilliant, and I didn't want to deal with that right now. I just didn't have the energy to flash my model smile or break out any semblance of wit, and I really needed to. I didn't want to ruin any potential developments prematurely. Was this calculating, I wondered? It wasn't like we had anything. But Dr. Blank needed me to keep good relationships with the specialists. I reached deep, remembered pushing through the exhaustion from that time I'd actually modeled in med school, and smeared the smile like a stain across my face. Hi, Dr. Lane, I said. How are you today? She smirked and folded her hands over her mouth to mimic a radio. Earth to Planet Pfeiffer, she said. Earth asked you a question first, over. You can call me Romeo, I doubled down on the smile. I'm not sure Earth needs the plots and worries of Planet Pfeiffer. How's your... I narrowed my eyes at her folded lunch. Your weird sandwich. She laughed and showed me the inside of her salad pita mess. It's a lamb euro, dummy, <laughs> and Earth hates small talk. All right. I tossed my yogurt cup across the room. It swished gracefully into the trash bin. What's up? Are you sitting on any more interesting but implausible cases? She asked. Uh Shoot. Blank scolded me about my loose angry lips on the case with Julian the fire breather, and that was the case I'd consulted Jasmine on. Dr. Lane, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. You're my favorite gastroenterologist. Of course I'd come to you if I had something. She shook her head. That's not what I mean. Her gaze became positively pointed. You were on an obstetrics case with Dr. Hernandez. That's not your normal wheelhouse. Dang it, I thought I'd silenced the gossipy nurses. What do you mean? Complex internal medicine patients get pregnant, too. But she didn't have anything like that in her chart. No chronic illnesses at all, in fact. And you were seen coming out of the surgical suite. Hardly typical internal medicine behavior. My throat was closing. I was observing, I said. You scrubbed in. Sure, to assist. Bone up on my physical skills a little. I shrugged coolly, but I could feel my underarm sweating through my silk button top. What are you actually suggesting, Dr. Lane? She scowled. Come on, what is that? You always called me Jasmine. We used to have lunch together all the time when you first got to this hospital. I vividly remembered she'd stopped having lunch with me when she got a boyfriend. All right, then, Jasmine, what are you suggesting? She looked around in the super obvious way little kids scan the playground before they whisper loudly and spittily in your ear. Julian wasn't some pinch-drinker. I've been looking at the pictures over and over again from that case. His lining was so thick, Romeo. I've never seen a Mallory Weiss like that in someone so young, and I've seen plenty. I got a biopsy anyway, thinking it almost looked like an early Barrett's esophagus, but the cells were morphologically normal, except when I took it down to a higher magnification, where it's almost like he's got a cell wall. Not a cell membrane, a cell wall, like from biology class back in college, Pfeiffer, like a plant. "'Well, I can tell you he's not a plant,' I joked condescendingly, my arms crossed as I leaned away from her. I hated how it sounded, but I was nervous and didn't know how else to push her away.' She scowled. "'I know who he is, Pfeiffer. I matched the timing of this hospitalization to the fight on the news. I don't have the equipment here to prove it. I can't sample the cell wall and figure out what kind of fireproof polymer it is, but I know.' "'Being a jerk wasn't going to work. Maybe pleading would.' I leaned across the table. Look, Jasmine, if what you're saying is true, the kid could get in a ton of trouble. Do me a favor and don't ask. Sheesh, she stood crushing her lunch wrapper in her tiny fist. I was only asking you to keep me in mind for future cases. "I, I did, and will continue to do so, I said. You know that's not what I mean, she snapped and left. I didn't, though, I leaned back, rubbing my palms across my forehead as I blew my breath out hard. Shoot, I blew it. No chance of a future with her, for sure, maybe not even professionally. It sounded like she wanted a level of trust that wasn't mine to give. The scary thing was that she wasn't the first specialist to approach me this week. That's not how it works. Generalists like internal medicine, pediatrics, family medicine, we go looking for specialists, not the other way around. But both the other OBs I'd considered for the invisible birth had approached me, each on their own, to make cryptic remarks about Dr. Hernandez. My gut twisted and I felt yogurt squirming up into the back of my throat. In normal situations, you only worry about a patient's information leaking outside of the medical field. It's generally accepted that doctors talk all kinds of crap about patients to other doctors. I had a personal rule against this. I even tried to avoid consulting colleagues when I knew they didn't like a particular patient. But this situation took patient privacy to an entirely new level. Most of the physicians in this hospital weren't above reporting a superhero to the authorities. With the new Supreme Court ruling upholding the hero ban, suspected superhero activity fell under the same category as gunshot wounds. Reporting was a legal requirement. And we had plenty of rule followers for whom legal requirement meant moral prerogative. I blinked, and a rough patch on my cheek shook me out of my chin-stroking musing. The snow razor wasn't working out for me. These superhero identities loomed above me like a brimming dam starting to leak. To ooze. I got up and ducked into the nearest service hallway. Quick watch check. The black hands glowed in the dim gray light reflecting off the cold cement walls. Just enough time to plug some holes. Which was, incidentally, what she said. <coughs> This wasn't what I wanted to be doing with my life. I'd finally made it out of the hospital for a break. The wind on the parking garage rooftop carried my cigarette smoke behind me with my self-loathing. My cheeks hurt from all the smiling. I hated politics, but I was rather good at them, with women, when I tried. Rita, the OR tech, tried to help me agreed to help me, discredit anyone on the nursing staff who talked about the invisible childbirth. I'd counted on Hernandez keeping his mouth shut, out of embarrassment, and since he hadn't, I'd found and politely reminded him he would go down with us if anyone found out. And I somehow managed to do that without threatening or insulting him. I'd then had a casual chat with our medical records expert, and then our IT guy, about what might happen if someone, oh so accidentally, deleted a patient file. And then I'd stop by the security guy to see if he'd heard anything about piecing together those missing tapes. I took another long drag of the cigarette, just trying to adjust the damn drumbeat plodding along in my chest. It felt like a funeral march. I couldn't truly guarantee the silences I'd been promised today, even with the peer bullying and mutual destruction. I couldn't delete the patient records for either Julian or Helen, and since most EMRs automatically saved a history of deletion activity, I couldn't ensure someone else didn't put together the two and two Dr. Lane had. And without the missing tapes from Helen's case, I couldn't really find out who might have wanted to kill one of these superheroes. It felt selfish to add that I hated everything I'd done today except for the two hours of patient care. I wanted to listen to people's hearts and bellies, fix them, and then go home and finish playing A Link Between Worlds that's all. I didn't want to smile for the cameras, I didn't want to flirt with women twice my age, and I didn't want to pretend to like the cowards I wanted to throw up against the wall. You know, I distinctly remember trashing my white coat the day we met, I said. Dr. Blank's footsteps behind me quickened in acknowledgement. She and her faded army green jacket entered my peripheral vision, and she swung herself up on the cement ledge to sit beside me. I grinned. Her feet didn't quite dangle off the wide ledge like mine, and she sat with her short legs straight out like a toddler. Well, you're doing a good thing, she grunted. I can't make you keep doing it. Oh, no, it's not medicine altogether I want to quit, and it's definitely not superhero medicine I want to quit, I said. She pretended she didn't understand what I meant. Well, good. Don't quit then. I just stopped by to drop off some transporter stars for you. She pulled a small sack out of her jacket and dumped it into my lap. This half is linked to my office, and another from her cargo pants, and this half is linked to your hospital. Don't abuse them. Have a good night. I sighed as she hopped off the wall. Her boots clomp-clomped away behind me, and after a few more puffs I heard her jeep rumble to life. Me, I finished my cigarette and put it out on the rough cement beside me. It sparkled against the granite sandpaper bumps as its embers died on the cold, wet ledge. Screw it, I told the cigarette. Let's do something fun. I pulled out one of the transporter stars from the bag labeled Office and chose not to think about where it had come from as I clapped it between my hands. (laughs) I found myself alone in the dark and instantly regretted my choice. Shoot. I knew I didn't really know how to use this thing. It looked easy enough, the way she clapped and disappeared. Shoot. My fingers fumbled in the air around me. A sharp thwack stung the back of my flailing hand. "'Ow!' a hiss escaped my teeth. I reached out slowly to find whatever I'd hit. A corner, the smooth edge of a metal table, probably. I laid both palms on it and slowly followed the surface, shuffling like an old man until I came to another corner. I kept one hand on the table and reached out the other to look for. Her. My heart skipped a panic beat at the touch on my palm. "'Sheesh, calm down!' Cold and smooth, with a slightly painted texture, it was the wall I was looking for. I followed it to the right, now searching for a switch. My hand found something hot, hairy, and moist. I jerked back. Something skittered away from me in the dark. Or maybe scampered. Whatever it was, some unsettling, rushing pitter-patter occurred. Which scared me, because the shape I thought I had touched didn't skitter or scamper. It was large and round, like the top of a sweaty human head. I held my breath. Did nightmare realms and in-between dimensions exist? Where heads and spiders were the same thing because a magician-dressing mofo who extruded quantum transportation matter did exist? The rational scientist in me forced a breath and reached back out along the wall. The thing was gone. And something moved again in the darkness. This time, not skittering, but squishing and squelching. I found the light switch and panic slapped it on. For a split second, I saw a green lion standing in the middle of the white room. I blinked in a furious bright light, choking on terrified breath. Oh, no, there was no lion. A green boy about Julian's age stood staring at me. His head tilted slightly to the side, his leg muscles tensed to pounce. "'Sup, dude?' he sniffled in a thick, hoarse voice. What you doing in Doctor Blank's office? I could ask you the same question. I said, looking around to confirm that yes, we were in the huge spaceship-looking white clean room between her library and her fireproof containment bunker. Thank goodness, no nightmare dimension after all—just crazy reality. I'm looking for the doctor. He said, "I can't wait until morning. I like can't breathe, man." Brat, if you've done anything to her, I'll. A violent coughing fit interrupted him. It was a wet cough. My trained ear traced its heavy roar from deep in his chest. Ow! He held up a finger, like asking me to wait as the cough continued. Totally kick your butt, man. He heaved, both hands on his knees. Oh, boy. Well, before you kick my butt, let's get you hooked up to a pole socks and listen to your lungs. I said, You're sweating like a pig. You know, pigs don't actually sweat, man he said, looking at me with the tilted corner of his eye like he knew something I didn't. But by now I recognized the emerald beast, the teenager who could morph into any animal at will. Good for pigs, I guess, I said, digging into the table drawer for a stethoscope a pulse and Well, there was no nasal cannula. There was hand sanitizer on the wall, which I immediately pumped. Did you tell Dr. Blank you'd be here? I asked as I lathered my hands with the foam. He shook his head, wheezing, and as he opened his mouth to answer another hacking-cough fit took over. He gave up and shook a small bag of transport stars instead. I nodded and showed him mine. With some effort, he pushed his pouch back into the pocket on his purple utility belt. Wheezing, sweating, severe wet cough. Hmm. With that wincing, it looked like he had some chest pain. I would bet money he wasn't far from mild respiratory distress, likely due to some kind of pneumonia. I talked fairly quickly. "'I'm Romeo Pfeiffer. I'm a doctor who works with Blank. I'll be texting her immediately as soon as we've got some oxygen on you. Is it okay if I help you?' He nodded. He didn't have much choice. He punched a panel in the wall, and with a loud clatter, a beautiful exam table folded out beside him. He climbed up on it and collapsed on his back. "'How long have you had this cough?' I asked, slipping the bullsocks onto his finger. It read 87%. "'Shoot, that was bad.' "'Where do you keep the oxygen tanks?' I texted Blank. "'You've got a teenager with probable pneumonia. 0 2 sat 87 "'About a week,' he said. "'Mind opening your suit here? Need to listen to your chest,' I said, helping him unzip. "'What happened a week ago?' "'I don't know. Normal stuff,' he said. "'What's normal for you?' I asked. He shrugged. "'You're what we call a very poor historian,' I said, glancing at my phone while I listened with my stethoscope. Blank didn't answer.' My eyes returned to the rise and fall of the beast's chest. It was even on both sides. That was a good sign. I didn't expect something like pneumothorax or a bleeding or punctured lung anyway, but still, I was watched for signs. The spaces between his ribs and under his collarbone didn't suck into divots when he breathed. Also good. No sign there of severe respiratory distress. But good gosh, did he have full lungs. I'd him sit up to hear better. Yeah, whistling sibilants up top with thick, gross rough snore gurgling in the lower lobes. O2 sat read 85%. Yeah, no. Hey, do you know where she keeps the oxygen? I asked. He nodded and twisted to reach the other panel to the right of his head. The effort threw him into another coughing fit. I punched it. Nothing happened. Uh, It's the little things that make you look bad in front of your patients. Or, equally bad, that make you panic. But Beast motioned through his cough, and I pushed on the top right corner of the panel instead. It clattered open to reveal a small closet with tank and tubing. I slipped the nasal cannula over his face, eyeing the top of the oxygen tank four directions. Usually nurses did this part for me. Most physicians didn't get much hands-on training in medical schools anymore. Shoot. I didn't know if I... Uh, it wasn't that hard. I connected the tubing, opened the valve, and set him to six liters per minute. Shoot, wait. I remember the nasal cannula could only do about two. Dumb mistake. I needed a mask. I wanted albuterol-2 to open its airways as much as possible, despite the gunk. The closet had a non-rebreather mask. I'm going to switch this out. You need more oxygen than the nose tube can provide, I explained as I did so. He nodded in response. I watched the O2 sat for a moment, my fingers on his wrist, tracking his pulse. It was strong, as a teenage boy should be, but a bit fast, and that, like any serious infection, warranted a quick sepsis rule out. In my hospital, I'd want a CBC from his blood to look at his white blood cells, a prolactin to confirm likely pneumonia, a CMP to see his kidney function for a CURB-65 score, and a lactate just for good measure to study organ dysfunction. Do you know if she has the capability for blood draws here? I asked. "'Yeah, she's done that before,' he practically whispered. "'But only for, like, simple emergency stuff,' she says. "'She says she's got to run them herself.' "'Ah,' I said. "'That was something I definitely didn't know how to do. "'In the hospital, you sent that down to the lab. did you know where she keeps medications? "'Like breathing medications, specifically?' "'He nodded. "'That big table thing.' "'Then, with a half-cocked smile, "'Do you actually ever work here, dude, or are you killing me?' I look like a bumbling idiot, don't I? I smiled back, blasting him with confident honesty to keep him calm. I work up at the hospital to help her get specialist consults. Huh? I'm kind of like a glorified superhero doctor matchmaker. I'm the backup. My fingers fluttered over a blood pressure cuff as I watched the rise and fall of his chest. Now that he'd hit 90%, improving, and we'd managed the most urgent problem, I wanted to calculate a quick sofa score to check the chances that the thing in his lungs has escaped into his blood. Still needed to watch that O2 saturation. Blood pressure 120 over 80. You're like a textbook there, man. I said. Respiratory rate is 23. Not cool. That's high. But that only gives you a SOFA score of 1. It takes a score of 2 and above to really say you might have bacteria in your blood. But you're a shapeshifter, so I paused. Do your lungs maintain their form if you morph into something like a fish? Wouldn't the act of morphing lungs into gills spill the gunk in your lungs to other parts of your body? "'I haven't been a fish in months, dude,' he said. "'I'm only a fish for emergencies. "'I don't know if you've ever been a fish,' he chuckled. (laughs) "'But any new water makes you feel really sick, "'so, like, if I dive into a pool and try to be a fish, "'I'll get dizzy and slow and nauseous, and it sucks. "'A fish has got to get used to the temperature "'and whatever chemicals are in the water kind of slowly. "'So I'm usually, like, a water reptile "'or maybe something like a salamander.' "'Which has lungs, I guessed.' "'Yeah.' I rummaged through the drawers on the table, still calculating. By the QSOFA criteria, sepsis was unlikely, but even without a white blood cell count or a temperature. By SIRS criteria, with both the heart rate over 90 and the respiratory rate of 23, he did qualify for suspected sepsis. I tended to use clinical judgment between the SIRS and the SOFA. Several studies had shown that the SOFA was more accurate, and the SIRS tended to overdiagnose. But on the other hand, the SIRS was more sensitive, which meant it was more likely to pick up early organ dysfunction. Either way, I knew I wanted antibiotics on board as soon as possible, especially in someone whose bodily cavities maybe didn't always maintain their boundaries. But for the more immediate airway emergency, I found a small butyrol inhaler. I wanted a spacer to make sure the medication actually got into his lungs. There were cardboard tubes like the center of toilet paper rolls scattered in the drawer. That'll work, kinda, I said. Here, this will help keep your lungs open while we figure out the best antibiotic. Put this on your face and squeeze here. Breathe in. He looked at me for a second, clearly calculating how much to trust me, and then looked at the bag of transport stars I'd left on the table in the middle of the room. With a nervous, resigned sigh, he took the albuterol. "'Can I get a bag of normal saline, too?' he asked then. I tilted my head. "'You think you're dehydrated? How's your urine?' (laughs) "'I peed just fine, thank you,' he smirked. "'Peed before I came here all clear and yellow and stuff, like Dr. Blank says.' I returned to the drawer to look for antibiotics while he talked. I just noticed that every time I come in, like if I'm really tired or, uh, um, hungover, I finished for him. Something like that, he said with that glint in his eye, again like he knew something I didn't. I'm not going to tell on you, I said. Back in residency when I worked in the ER, the younger medics used to fix themselves that way after after a hard week partying. It's something like that, not that. But as long as I'm not bleeding like crazy when I'm down after a battle, Dr. Blank always gives me a bag of normal saline, man. And dude, it helps. Well, you're going to need more than normal saline right now, but I'll get to that if I can. You need something to kill the bad stuff in your lungs. I glanced back at his finger. Oh, two sat 90 now. It's still there, still getting better. Wait, how often do you come here? You some kind of? You got some kind of chronic medical condition? We don't know, man, he said. He sat up a little now, apparently feeling peppy enough to find himself a pillow from under the exam table. After I've shifted a couple times and after battle, I'm like way more exhausted than anyone else, man. Like sometimes, dude, I feel like I'm just going to pass out. Dr. Blank keeps telling me to watch my pee, and I've been drinking and eating her, like, diet and stuff with so much water. She says I need way more special nutrients than the normal dude, and since I'm a vegetarian, she has me on this B12 thing, too. Wow. A shifter with some kind of hidden chronic problem? Maybe a coenzyme deficiency now with pneumonia? Dang it, Blank. Where is she, anyway? I asked. I don't know, he said, again with that sideways look. "'And you wouldn't tell me if you did,' I added. "'I get it. "'It's just that I texted her and she hasn't responded. "'Maybe she's driving. "'She probably can't transport into this room "'because she doesn't know if one of us is standing "'in the space she would transport to,' he said. "'She doesn't live here?' I asked. "'Nobody knows,' he said. "'I returned to his side with a bottle of doxycycline "'in my hand and my stethoscope. "'I'm going to have you take one of these. "'It's a really strong antibiotic "'that also kills most weird parasites. "'It works for most pneumonias. Can I listen to your lungs again? I want to check something else. Sure, he sat up. Can you say 99? I asked. Yes, he said. I gave him a little side eye of my own, and he chuckled, repeating the number for me as I listened to his back. Mm-hmm. I just want to check a couple spots for increased bronchophony, I murmured. Yep, in the middle lung field on the right, that 99 sounded louder, almost reverberating. I had him repeat with the E sound, but found no change to A. I think you have a consolidation here. I tapped his back. That's like a bigger gathering of gunk, basically. I sat beside him on the bed and nudged him to take another hit of the albuterol, then a doxy. O2 sat 93. Good, time to dig a little. Beast. Should I call you the Emerald Beast? I asked. M is fine, man, he said. M. Have you been a rabbit, a bat, or a bird recently? I asked. Yes he said. Why? Well, I said, some diseases are transmitted to people from animals, and some animals are immune to some diseases people have. Do you feel as sick when you're a reptile? Not really, actually, he nodded with a tone that said he was surprised I knew anything. I got really sensitive to hot and cold then, though, man. He added, dinosaurs are my go-to when I'm fighting. Well, I don't know much about dinosaurs, but birds bats and rabbits each have their own special kind of pneumonias they can get and give people when were you a rabbit last oh that was a few years ago that's not a useful superhero animal man i used to work on a farm and they would i would mess with the dogs by being a rabbit and then turning into like a horse or something just as they caught me by the time i left none of the dogs would hunt so much as a squirrel he snickered Turning carnivores vegetarian, I smirked, laughing a little and taking passing note of the fact that on a farm he could have had exposure to brucella as well as Q fever from livestock like cattle. But this disease was more recent. Any travel? I... he spoke carefully. Went caving in Ohio last week, he said. I don't need to know your mission details, I reassured him. It's okay if you have to hide something. But the more I know, the more I can help. I got up and hunted in the pocket of my white coat for my antibiotics book, flipping through to the section of antifungals. And you know what? I think you just gave me the jackpot. He fidgeted and seemed nervous again. I did? Well, there's a disease called histoplasmosis, a fungus that you can get in caves from bat droppings. I was a bird, not a bat, he said. In a cave? In the dark? I wondered. When you can turn into animals, you can tell me which ones to pick. He shot back with a smile. I didn't mind his suspicion. It seemed almost jovial. I was dealing with pirates. I blinked, trying to see how that explained anything, and then let it go. "'Okay, then. A bird,' I said. "'What kind of bird?' Han macaw. "'Okay. Give me a second. I pulled up my phone. I knew all birds and bats could carry histoplasmosis, but I didn't know if they actually got sick from it themselves, and that mattered. "'Do you feel sick when you're a bird?' I asked. "'Awful. Like I'm going to die, man.' "'How about as a bat?' I asked. Dunno, bro.' He tilted his head. "'Let me see.' And right there in front of me, suddenly, the green boy began to melt. And then, as if an enormous foot suddenly stomped on him, he flattened, and BAM! A bat fluttered around the table and shot around the room. I ducked instinctively. Its erratic movement was... Uh, I knew in my brain I shouldn't fear it, but dang it, I just... "'Okay, that's, that's enough of that, please!' I yelled. He missed the table as he landed and fell on the floor a human oops he laughed sheepishly breathing hard again he put the o2 sat back on his finger 88 i noted and put the mask back on nah, i feel pretty good as a bat but i can't stay a bat forever i can't stay anything forever i get too tired he heaved and lay flat on his back again you really can't handle exertion right now i said dude it's been a couple years where i get really tired for no reason but that's not like this breathing thing dude he started coughing again it's so much worse any other symptoms? I asked. Cough and blood? No, but man, I got a pounding headache, he said. Hmm, I thought that could mean visual symptoms, too. Is that why you're sitting in the dark? I asked. Yeah, how'd you know? It's called photophobia. It's a feature of certain headaches when you can't handle light. I scrolled through some random pet web page about Hans McCaus. You know, I thought aloud, histoplasmosis doesn't make birds feel sick. Just people. "'Dude, I can't even be a bird right now. "'My feathers are all falling out, and I can't breathe at all, and I'm going to die. "'I almost couldn't turn back into a person last time I tried. "'If I am a bird, I will die,' he said. "'Noted,' I said. "'His lung findings, too. "'I texted Mason Snow, the infectious disease doc, to double-check, "'but I seemed to remember that histoplasmosis usually had mild, "'nonspecific lung findings like rails and wheezing, "'more like simple airway narrowing or sounds like water buildup in the bases, "'not these gross, gunky, fungal points.' can I shake your belly? I've got another thought, I said. He waved a mumbled, sure, whatever. Too short of breath now to talk again. I shouldn't have let him take off the mask, I thought to myself as I cupped his left side under my hands and pressed down. A softball-sized mass met my fingers below his warm skin in the left upper quadrant. You've got an enlarged spleen, Em. That, with the headache and the photophobia, the pneumonia, the illness when you're a bird, starting from the time you were a parrot, fits psittacosis. As the detective's picture began to fall into place, the triumph in my chest almost called for a wave and a bow. You have psittacosis, I announced. And that we can treat with Doxy. A slow clap seemed to echo in the space behind us. Well done, Dr. Hyper. Well done. <laughs> Dr. Blank showed up late to the medical party, but she did indeed show up in the end. She'd apparently spent the past several hours driving around the city to shake someone tailing her from my hospital. We decided to keep M out on oxygen in Blank's medical bunker for the next several days. He can stay here for the supportive of care, she whispered as we entered her book apocalypse of a library. I closed the door to the white treatment room behind us in a light ginger touch. M had fallen into a restless sleep, and I didn't want to wake him. I'll sleep here for the next few days anyway, until whatever it is stops looking for me," she went on. "We can draw blood here, and whatever labs I can't do, you can bring with you and pretend you're getting them done for you." "Smart," I nodded. I'm guessing you can't do a lactin, prolactin or CMP. CMP I can do. Either prolactin. Just to confirm the likeliness of a bacterial pneumonia instead of a viral process, his history strongly suggested ecosis. I can try to see if we've got a specialized test for that, too. No need to waste time on the specialized sitacosis antibodies, she said. It's not going to change your management. Doxy was a good initial choice for a shapeshifter. It's used to treat fish, hedgehogs, a bunch of different animals, too. Sometimes when I can't get antibiotics from my heroes, I'll buy up the kind they've got at the pet store. "'He's got all the signs and symptoms, everything but the rash, which might not show up on green skin.' "'I somehow felt the need to argue my diagnosis to her, even though she hadn't questioned it. "'Although it hit him harder than I'd expect. "'Michael Plasma's also on the differential.' "'Which would also respond to Doxy,' she shot back. "'I sweat the treatment more than the differential.' "'She checked her watch. "'Hey, you'd better get going. Your shift starts in three hours.' "'I'm a gamer,' I shrugged. "'Couple energy drinks, and I can stay up till the second coming. "'Well, I'm not, and I'm going to rest until his pulse ox beeps at me again.' She waved me off as if trying to wave me through the wall. "'It's hard to gesture to someone to teleport themselves away,' I realized. "'It offended me, nonetheless. "'Wait, we're not going to talk about the fact that someone was stalking you from my hospital?' I asked. "'I've been stalked before. It's no big deal. "'Back when you were a superhero.' "'I'm not commenting on that,' she said. "'Because it's your secret business,' I grumbled, "'planting my feet and leaning back against a pile of books that reached the ceiling. "'I don't get why you still don't trust me. "'I'm putting my career on the line here, too.' "'I'm not asking you to do anything that would risk your license, please,' she snapped back. "'We need your career for access to specialists. "'I appreciated that you helped tonight, but this is the stuff I can handle myself. "'You belong in the hospital.' "'I suddenly understood Jasmine Lane.' Not in words, really, but in the frustrated scowl, I shot blank as I reached in my pocket for a transport star. You know, blank, when I was in medical school, I used to model on the weekends, every now and then between tests. Funny thing is, the male modeling agency found me because my school put my picture on her ads. I had good grades, I had the face, and my rags-to-riches story made the school look really good. I fiddled with the star between my fingers. But when, a student council president, I tried to actually change things... "'Start a social medicine group to volunteer for the poor, "'get rid of the fees that made interest groups harder "'for underprivileged students to access. "'I got shot down faster than you can say tradition.' "'Her steely gray eyes met mine, and I glared right back. "'I know what it's like to just be the pretty face of something,' I said. "'She looked away and opened a book on her desk. "'I'm sorry you feel that way,' she said, "'in a tone so disconnected from anything I'd said, "'it could only truly mean this conversation was over.' She didn't want meaning or deep revelations of my professional growth. She wanted someone she could call when she needed a specialist. She wanted the face, not the relationship, and she wasn't apologizing for it. I clapped down on the transport star and left her office. But I didn't go back home. For our patients' sake, I was going to find out what I needed to know to protect them. I was going to find out who was stalking Dr. Blank. Thank you for listening to the Healer to the Heroes podcast. I'm Jen Finelli, and I'm a physician. I both wrote and, as you can hear, uh, recorded this podcast. Mental health is really important to me, and I also use this podcast and other creative endeavors to try to help save up for a jungle clinic where I would like to provide care for people who can't get medical care normally. Um, Because I'm trying to save up for that, I would love it if you um, would like to visit patreon.com slash becominghero. I'm also affiliated with this awesome uh, therapy service that I think that you might like. I actually sought them out. Um, if you have mental health disorders or you're struggling with uh, emotional needs, especially right now, and you need a therapist, please check out betterhelp.com slash drjen. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash drjen. I affiliated with these guys so that I could get 10% off for my um, you know listeners um, so that you can get online therapy kind of more affordably, um, especially since it's hard to go out and, and see people in person, and that can put a big strain on people's mental health. Mental health is important to me as a mental health sufferer, uh, and it's kind of a win-win because any affiliate benefits um, that I get I can use to, you know, help additionally, you know, more people. Um, if you'd like to see some of the charities that I support monthly. Again, go to patreon.com slash becoming hero, where I talk more about that. And there's a link actually to all the different, um, human rights organizations and so forth that I support. Um, and then of course, more information about the clinic that I'm trying to, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get it set up in 2023. That's the goal. So thank you again for listening. And I hope that you have a lovely day. Remember to be a hero.